We all know real life can suck sometimes, and your boss accidentally seeing you in your underpants on Zoom last week doesn't help any. That's why reluctantly codependent sisters, the Shira and Rashalia, keep you enthralled and in stitches every week with their podcast, Legendary Africa. Every Monday and Friday, we take you on a journey of mythical lands, magical objects, and monstrous creatures, both ancient and modern. Find Legendary Africa on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you feed your ears. And remember, stay safe, stay sexy, and stay legendary. Hello and welcome to the Monster Hunters Podcast. I'm your host Tanner, and this week is Idaho. I hope you guys are doing well this week, and happy Monday. Well, let's start off, let's start off with some history. Uh, border by the Canadian province of British Columbia to the north and the U.S. states of Montana and Wyoming to the east, Utah and Nevada to the south, and Oregon and Washington to the west, Idaho is twice as large as the six New England states combined. With an abundance of scenic mountains, lakes, rivers, and outdoor attractions, the state draws more than 20 million tourists each year. Idaho produces more potatoes and trout than any other state in the nation, and is known as the gem state for the 72 types of precious and semi-precious stones it produces, some of which are exclusive, exclusive to the state. Its state, capital Boise, is also the largest city with more than 20,000 200,000 residents. Uh, Idaho became a state on July 3rd, 1890. Capital is Boise. It has a population of 1,567,582 according to the 2010 census. It is uh, 83,568 square miles in area. It's nicknamed Gem State. The motto is Esto Perpetua, which means uh, let it be. Uh, state tree is the Western White Pine. State flower is the Syringa. Syringa? State bird is the mountain bluebird. Interesting facts of Otto. Uh, Meriwether Lewis and members of the Corps of Discovery entered Idaho for the first time in 1805, making it the last state, last of the U.S. states to be explored by European Americans. Along with the Renaissance team, William Clark attempted to find a passage along across the Salmon River in August, but was deterred by churning rapids and steep rock walls. The river is often referred to as the River of No Return. The state seal of Idaho is the only state seal in the United States designed by a woman. In 1891, Emma Edwards Green, who had previously attended art school in New York, entered and won a competition sponsored by the first legislator for the state of Idaho with his depiction of a minor, a woman, signifying justice in the various state natural resources. Carved by the Snake River, Hell's Canyon is North America's deepest river gorge, even deeper than Grand Canyon, with a width of 10 miles and a depth of 7,913 feet below. He, uh, the Devil Peak is the Seventh Devil's Mountains. Uh, Idaho State Capitol, constructed between 1905 and 1920, is the only capital building in the nation to be heated by geothermal water from a source 3,000 feet below the ground. In operation since 1982, the water system currently heats about 1.5 million square feet within the Capitol Mall complex. 
author Ernest Hemingway, who won a Pulitzer Prize for The Old Man in the Sea in 1953 and who was awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature the following year, died of a self-inflicted shotgun wound in his home in Ketchum on July 2, 1961. A memorial exhibit and festival held near Sun Valley paid tribute to the renowned author's compliment, accomplishments and time spent in Idaho. Uh, Rigby, Idaho is known as the birthplace of television inventor Philo Farnsworth, who grew up in the tiny town, reportedly sketched out the principle behind the technology for a high school science paper. History.com, January 12th. Let's go to, uh, before I get to Monsters, I'm say, freaking, I beat, uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 yesterday, man. Game and feel. He's gotta beat it. There's a lot of stuff to do in that game. So I gotta go. Um, here's a monster for you The Legend of Charlie. It's from visitmacal.org. Uh, everybody loves a good legend, and we have a great one right here in McCall, Idaho, with Charlie, a resident lake monster. Babara Noakes Quarter with the Neil, Neil DeBoyas Research Center in Roseberry. Called a historic look back at the story of Charlie. A uh, big Pyatt Lake. Same that the France Renos Payette, a French Canadian fur trapper who roamed the central Idaho mountains during the early years of the 19th century. The natural lake is over 5,000 glacier carved acres of clean, still water surrounded by towering pines and serene Douglas fir. As its deepest and darkest point near the northwest shore, the lake is 392 feet deep. The Native Americans who once spent summers in the Long Valley were said to fear the calm, seemingly bottomless waters of the lake, telling stories of evil spirit alert in its hidden depths. The first documented sighting of something out of the ordinary was by railroad logging crew. In 1920, while cutting railroad ties near the upper end of the lake, workers thought they saw a huge log floating in the frigid waters. The log began to move forward, then the log began to undulate, then the log created its own wake as it rapidly left the area. In 1944, a group of people near the Narrows saw a creature, describing it as, describing it as at least 30 feet, 35 feet long, with a dinosaur-type head, pronounced jaw, humps like a camel, and shell-like skin. Uh, this dramatic account propelled the story into the national headlines, and surfing hunters began to frequent the tranquil area to snap a photo of the creature, or even capture it outright. An article published in the national, dis nationally disputed Times Magazine in August of 1944 reported that 30 people had seen the periscope-shaped head of the creature they called Slimy Slim since July 2nd of that year. In 1946, 20 people and the group reported seeing the creature. Dr. G.A. Taylor of Napa stated that it appeared to be 40 feet long and seemed to keep diving down into the watery depths. He also said that it left a wake like a small motorboat. By 1954, many people reported sightings of Slimy Slim, and residents decided their local monster needed a better name. A. Boone McCallum, editor of the Star News, held a national contest and a winning entry was submitted by uh, Leah Hemphur Turry of Springfield, Virginia. In her letter to the star, she wrote, Why don't you call him Charlie? You know, like, Vasu de Chalet. 
This was a reference to one liner used by Jack Pearl in a popular radio show. Uh, regular sightings of Charlie has been reported over the years, but no official evidence of Charlie's existence has been offered up. Regardless, the residents of McCall need no proof to know she, yes, Charlie is a she, is real. Her legend continues to grow, adding imagination and mystery to the area of folklore as an unofficial symbol of McCall. Have you, have you been lucky enough to see another article about Charlie? To visit, uh, look at Charlie. Two visitors see the distinctive humps in Pyatt Lake, August 31st, 2019. Uh, Pyatt Lake, Chris Hopkins and Karen Giardia uh, were sitting on a log at Pondorsa State Park on the afternoon of August 23rd, watching Hopkins' dog swimming in Pyatt Lake when something started happening. Two or three humps rose from the water near the narrows at the north end of the lake and moved quickly across the surface for about 200 yards Hawkman said. It appeared, appeared, disappeared, and reappeared as it moved through the water, she said. Also, two minutes, the humps were gone. After two minutes, the humps were okay. Uh, stunned, the woman suddenly recalled stories they had heard about Charlie, the mythical creature that supposedly occupied the lake. We've heard about Charlie before, but we're more skeptical about the creature actually being the Pyatt Lake, said Hawkins 68, 68, who had come in has homes in McCall and Caldwell. We felt a bit shocked and realized what we were seeing. A bit scared, but mostly excited, she said. The report was the first sign of the early report to Star News since 2009 when a Phoenix man plotted a similar phenomenon while kind of kayaking near the Narrows. In 2015, McCall women saw bubbles in the waters among the boat docks at the Mile High Marina and reported it as, Charlie, as a Charlie sighting. However, two divers later reported bubbles were from their underwater breathing equipment. Signs of what appeared to be a lake creature have been reported in the Star News periodically since 1944. Many of the past signs have variously described two or three humps, mostly in the narrows or north of that location. At that, all the hump signs include the one last, including the one last week by Hopkins and Georgia, 61 of Caldwell, have been in the calm water with no boat visible. We were reluctant to tell others, but we have definitely met with skepticism from most people, Hopkins said. Most people have just smiled or laughed and said, sure you did. Those who do not believe the humps were made by Charlie speculate a rare form of natural wave action in the arrows to create them. Other theories are the ways or the result of a large landlocked sturgeon or deer or elk swimming across the lake. Charlie sightings have been reported in the Star News 13 times since 1970 and 31 times since 1944. In 1954, yeah, 54, uh, Boone McCallan, editor of the Pyatt Lake, said, Lake Star, a professor of the Star News, held a contest to name the surfing. The winning name Charlie, okay. Yeah, by uh, Nicholas Corrias. August 7, 2007. August 27, 2004. Charles was. Charlie, <clears throat> along the beaches, along the beaches and, and on the streets of Macau, there's a topic that has taken number one spot away from the invasion of Europe. Begins in the August 6, 1944 column in the Idaho Statesman. It's an anonymous introduction leading to easy questions. What momentous debacle, what horrific catastrophe could possibly overshadow the raging heights of World War II just two months after D-Day 
The answer is the emergence of Idaho's most resilient leviathan, or Arpholoric, or is it gem amongst a treasure trove of mystical history, tongue twister man? Ugh. Well, we can regale a visitor with our 500-year-old Spanish miners in Rocky Bar, our grossly bellman in the Idaho Hotel, and Bigfoot's glow in the northern panhandle, but none of these stories are as frivolously clung to as that of a pirate lake sea creature by name of Charlie. We've always known, at least that is, what we have drummed into our feeble brain when real small. The sea monster were supposed to be large, overgrown, horrible nightmares, declared the pirate's, pirate's lake star three days before the statesman column. But talk about town hopes, uh, <coughs> but talk about town tops. All that we have ever even dreamed of. Dreams weren't the half of it. In July and August of 1944, according to a short article in Time magazine of that year, at least 30 people, including Republicans and Tito Tallers, oh, a person never drinks on, uh, spotted a scaly, cylindrical body attached to a stumpy cow like head hurling, hurling through the frigid waters of Pyatt Lake. Loggers had warned of the phenomenon. Since the 1920s, Native Americans were said to have avoided the lake for fear of an evil spirit, but no one was prepared for the oddity surfacing before them. Slimy Slim, as the alert Fernian's wriggling beast is usually cast as male, was one who was prepared to the oddity surfacing was laid outside of McCall, was between 10 and 50 feet long, either brownish green or peculiar yellowish, and Here's the unifying factor, always rose out of the water in a series of humps, which is everyone could immediately incisively identify as that of a creature trying though not to exist. Currently thought not to exist. Uh, he said it would go down and come up out of the water, really like a sea serpent. Not only recalls the eighty six year old Milford Failure of Napa, who whose late father, Milford Senior, was one of the nine Nappins to witness slimy on a fateful summer day at a lakeside cabin in 1946. The failures brush with the myth made headlines in Napa's Idaho Free Press and the Statesman, but to McCall's residents, such events had become so common as to hardly drew, draw alarm. It certainly didn't scare him away from the lake, Feller says he was really just fascinated by it. Milford Sr. wasn't alone in, in his rapture. All talk of Overground nightmares aside, the citizens of McCall exhibit little but affection for their mysterious neighbor, despite rumors that he fell on unfortunate unfortunates who drunkenly fell into the lake. As a token of their appreciation, especially for the tourist boon that the beast temporarily provided, Star held a contest in 1994, complete with a $40 grand prize to slap a permanent name on Slimy. They received Entries from Virginia, Rhode Island, and Kuna, and visionary sessions ranging from what is it to Nobby Dick to Pleiocene Ramnactis. Um, uh, I can't freaking play that. Ah, what? The winner chosen by a panel of eight judges included the gover then governor, Land Jordan, of Charlotte, so chosen because of the overwhelmingly popularity of radio comedian Jack Pearl's catchphrase as set the Baron uh, McKenzie, last the chalet 
Looking back, it seems as a positive choice. A moral equivalent would be to name an alien visitor, but a being, but the moniker has stuck. Bada bing. Ah. Uh, bada bing, bada boom. Uh, what has also stuck, probably beyond the wild hopes of even the most optimistic McCall old-timer, is Charlotte's ability to slither out of all attempts to be explained away. From the first time his name appeared in print, the word surgeon appeared right after, but the suggestion patered away as inconsistent witnesses' accounts of the similar scaly humps popped up throughout the 1960s and 70s. Landlocked whales, elephant seals, families of... Okay, how's that freaking elephant seal? In freaking Idaho, dude. It makes no sense. Or whales. What the hell? How do whales get in freaking Idaho? Landlocked whales, elephant seals, families of moose, wave formations, and even mutant trout also have been offered up, but usually, apparently, although of a for a bizarre period in 1947, McCall's town leaders were convinced enough to consider crossbreeding Charlie with Kamloops trouts and sitting legs statewide with the offspring. At a 1980 report by a biologist at Bloomsburg State College in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania concluded outright and without eyewitnesses that Charlie was indeed an an of yet unheralded species, albeit one at the brink of extinction. But McCall residents needed and still need no report to tell them how special the unofficial mascot is. Uh, we believe in Charlie because no one has ever been able to prove that she does not exist, explains Tom Grope. Editor of the Star News and McCall and writer of the few Charlie sighting stories to pop up throughout the 1980s and 90s, as well as a believer in the surface uh, femininity. femininity. Femininity, yeah. Until that time, we will assume she is real. That is only fair. Grote reports seeing Charlie's on uh, dexterous spine surface numerous times from calm waters during the tenure at the paper, during his tenure at the paper. But more than that, he claims to love her to this day. The point of creating a, a vote, Charlie, in 2004, snow sculpture, and the last McCall Winter Carnival. Blame the set of power of legend, blame naivete, or whatever you want. People amazingly are still out, not afraid of Charlie. Of course, I didn't have any fear. I was just fascinated, recalls Kate Wolf of Bozy, who made local, no, local news in the 1996, were spotting humps with peaks like the back of a dinosaur and chasing them across the lake in a pontoon boat to get a better view. The verdict I knew, I saw Charlie. There's no doubt. Nobody could tell me this is a log, a moose, or a giant sturgeon. It's something incredibly, it was something incredible. And why not? It remains an appropriate, it remains a, an appropriate a sentiment as it was in 1944. No good monster history can of an official end, and likewise, every monster historian must feature a streak of Konzu journalists, and I'm no exception. So, on a late October afternoon, in the middle of winter's waking flurry, I purchased a crawler of Titian Scottish ale from McCall's Brew Company in honor of Charlie's Loch Ness heritage, and wound a single day, single lonely orbit around Payette Lake. I passed ent- literary signs, drawings of Grinning Bucktooth Charlie and multi million dollar cabins along Old Charlie Lane. I passed Sylvan's Beach on the Pyatt's Western Shore. Charlie's early hangout and ended up on another beach along the northern shore, the exact location of Wolf's encounter. Half drunk, half frozen, all scared of the painting snowstorm. I saw nothing though each white cap 
left with a promise to pierce my soul this cynicism maybe this water was too rough too cold too watch in any case with the homes escaped prying lenses once again i knew i could find le legions of sympathetic ears in local watering holes this is probably the point it's really remarkable what it says the, those people up there they're they really believe they have no doubt uh hungry no there's another monster it's not a monster boy yeah well, that's all named after the islands of hawaii the Aui mountains in idaho are a popular destination for hikers and travelers spanning over 8,000 feet in elevation the highest peaks of the Aui mountains is hayden peak the area is full of gorgeous mountain and terrains and especially the Mogoni Mountain uh, near volcano craters of dormant volcanoes. The Silver City Range was once an old silver and gold mining area. Thousands of prospectors traveled to Idaho hoping for to strike gold and get rich. Near the mountains, Fest uh, de la Margos Town in Jordan Creek, once popular in the 1800s, the Alley Mountains area is home to some of the largest ghost towns in the United States. Mining has begun has begun to return in the area since the 1970s. Well, some of the first explorers to the area were white fur traders who were American Canadian, and the British the Alley Mountains were once an Indian campground and hunting ground. Many of the show, uh, Shoshone, Shoshone, like Shoshone, Shoshone, I don't know, and uh, Banauk tribes made claim to the land and used it for hunting and fishing. Uh, when the white settlers began exploring the area, they were surprised at the many areas of the Owley Mountains mountainside that the Indian tribes would not visit. They seemed to avoid those, those areas in certain times of day, but the settlers could find no explanation for the odd behavior. It wasn't until they started noticing strange occurrences themselves did they think to finally ask. Hearing the strange singing and... Oh, God. Hearing the strange... Singing and voices carry echoing in the mountains. They reasoned perhaps it was the sound of miners lost. They had heard tales of, of a phantom white horse. They seemed to all show up at just the right time. When cowboys or, or farmers were lost in the woods or found themselves in some sort of danger. The horse was always leading a pack and those lucky enough to find it were enchanted that they followed the horse's safety. Only to turn around and find it had vanished. It wasn't until they kept finding lights at the top of the mountain's peak that they began to explore more closely. They were always unable to find why the lights disappeared when they finally reached the top or the tiny footprints that were left in the snow or muddy terrain. A Shoshane and Bonnet finally filled them in on Ranger's dirty little seeker after children began disappearing. According to Indian legend, cannibalistic dwarfs roamed the Awi mountain area. Standing two feet tall, they had long tails that they kept wrapped around their bodies to hide their appearance. They were strong, strong, vicious creatures, and were so strong they could slay an elk and sling it on their back before carrying it away. Unfortunately, elk was not their only prey. The Joshe and Banak tribes had a great warning for the children of the explorers in the area. The dwarfs would lure children off from the woods and kidnap them. Unknowing, the children would be preyed upon and eaten before anyone realized they were gone. Climbers 
and hikers are less able to access the area due to damage from mining, but they do still frequent the area. Many visits to each, uh, many visit to see landmarks and gorgeous natural formations. The ghost towns and rock formations bring people from all the countries to enjoy the area, possibly feed the hungry monsters roaming the alley of these doors. <clears throat> this is from M Michelle Hart, September 27th, 2016, from uh, Light Online. I think many of us have an Idaho bucket list of places in the state that we'd like to explore at some point. I just scratched this, this one off the bucket list after hearing a story that sounds like it's straight out of Stephen King's It. Uh, if you ever lived in Idaho for a while, you may be familiar with the take of ghost sightings in Silver City, a popular mining town in the 1800s. A small Idaho town is now a ghost town surrounded by spooky stories, according to an old Boise Weekly article. Idaho Hotel near Silver City is kind of like the Gem State version of American Horror Story Hotel Hotel's Hotel Cortez. On the show, the hotel was still open for business, but some of its guests were actually spirits of the people who died at the hotel. The Ho Idaho Hotel is still open for business Memorial Day weekend through October, and guests have reported seeing the ghosts of two men who died in the hotel following a shootout on its front steps. They also claim to have been touched on the leg in the middle of the night by the ghost of the hotel's former owner who took his own life in the South Saloon. Uh, eerie as these stories are, there's nothing compared to the tale of what lurking what's lurking nearby Owie Mountains. Oh, uh... Living in the Treasure Valley, you might think Shoson and Bonnock are the street names on the bench of downtown boys. They're actually names of Indian tribes that lived and haunted and hunted on the land near the Aoi Mountains. Silver City was a booming gold mining town. White sailors just couldn't seem to figure out why the tribes would avoid hunting and fishing on certain parts of land, though they started hearing eerie things in the hillside themselves. Compared to Wolves.com and in the Wonderlust, the sound of and mimic, sounds mimic several things from scene to a crying baby, but that's not what the sounds were coming from at all. Indiana legend holds that the sounds were actually coming from two feet tall, cannibalistic dwarfs living in the mountains. They said to be tiny, but these little guys were strong enough to carry elk on their backs, and also had long tails that were once, were more often than not wrapped up to hide true identity. These dwarfs didn't live off the wildlife roaming the hillside, their prey was far from sinister. They could, they would use the crying and singing sounds to lure children away from their homes into the woods where they were kidnapped. And well, you know what they meant, what the word prey means, because basically these guys were tiny Pennywise. Uh, they never, there were never been any physical evidence of the dwarf stations, but sellers were said to have found tiny footprints in mud and snow near mountain peaks. It seemed consistent with the tribe legends about miss That's creepy. Uh, Bear Lake Monsters. Legend of the Bear Lake Monster by uh, Desert News. Uh, Lynn October 10th, 2017 by Lynn Arrave. Uh, Utah Idaho's own rough equivalent of the Loch Ness Monsters are the Bear Lake Monsters. Yes, multiple monsters reported in the original news report. Signs date back to Native American legends and were first reported by pioneer settlers in the summer of 1868. In a plural sense, since the first setting including 10 different creatures at the same time, a significant side light not commonly mentioned. Oh, let's go. Uh, Monsters of Bear Lake was an August 5th, 1868 highline in Desert News correspondence from Charlie Charles C. Rich, namesake of Rich County, 
an apostle of the church. Of what? Uh, apostle of the church of Jesus Christ and a later uh, church of Jesus Christ of later saints comprised the initial monster report. It was given almost five years after the settlers had first arrived there. The Bear Lake monster reference is a highly significant coming it's highly significant. Coming 65 years before even the famed Loch Ness Monster became known worldwide. Though some Loch sightings may date back to the 7th century. All lakes, caves, and dens have their legendary histories, Rich wrote. Tristan loves to f- throw her magic wand over beautiful dwell- dells and lakes. The people, uh, them, lakes and people, them with fairies, giants, and monsters various kinds. Bear Lake has also its own monster tale to tell and when I have told it, I will leave you to judge whether or not whether or not its merits are merely traditionary. Let's continue. The Indians say they, there's a monster animal that lives in the lake that has captured and carried away Indians while in the lake swimming. But they say it has not been seen for them by for many years, not since the buffalo inhabit the valley. They represent it as being of the serpent kind, but having legs about 18 inches long, on which they sometimes crawl out of the water a short distance on the shore. They also say it spits water upwards out of its mouth. It spits water. It's a water, water gun. Our rich Asian newspaper account continued. Since the settlement of this valley, several persons have reported seeing a huge animal of some kind that they cannot describe, but much, but such perso- persons have generally been alone when they saw it. It has little credence, uh, credence has been attached to the monster, and until this summer, the monster's question has b- about died out. He also reported on Sunday, last July, 1868. N.C. Davis and Alan Davis of St. Charles, Thomas Slight, and J. Collins of Paris. The six women were returning from Fish Haven when they went about midway from the latter named place to St. Charles on today's borders, borders of Idaho. It, their, attention, their attention was only attracted to a peculiar motion or wave in the water about three miles distance. The lake was not rough. When he was a little disturbed by a light wind. Mr. Light says he distinctly, distinctly saw the size of a very large animal that he would suppose to be less than 90 feet in length. To not be less than 90 feet in length. It was going south and all agreed that it swam a speed almost incredibly to the senses. Mr. Davis says he never saw a locomotive travel faster than it made a mile a minute. The uh, 1868 report also stated in a few minutes after the discovery of the first, a second one followed in its wake. It seemed to be much smaller, appearing to be appearing to Mr. Slight about the size of a horse. A larger one followed this, and it's, so one until large, so one until four large ones in all, and six smaller ones had run southward out of sight. Rich also reported about three weeks ago, likely early July of 1868, Mr. S. M. Johnson, who lives in the east side of the lake. At a place called South Eden, about halfway north along the Utah side of the lake, was going to the Round Valley settlement six miles to the south of the place. And when about halfway, he saw something in the lake, which at the time 
he thought to be a drowned person. Rode being some distance from the water's edge, he rode to the beach, and as the waves were running pretty high, he thought it would be soon washed into shore. In a few minutes, two or three feet of some kind of animal that he had never seen before were raised out of the water. He, he The port continued. He did not see the body, only the head, what it's supposed to be part of the neck. It had ears or bunches on the side of its head, nearly as large as a pint cup. The waves at times would dash over its head when it would throw water from its mouth or nose. It did not drift landward, but appeared stationary. With the session of turning its head, Mr. Johnson thought the portion of the body must be lying on the bottom of the lake, or it would have been drifted with the action of water. This is Mr. Johnson's version, as he told me. Rich next wrote the next day, three women bought a similar monster in the same place along the lake that was very large and said it swam much faster than a horse could run on land. These recent, <clears throat> these recent discoveries, again, revived the monster question, Rich reported. Those who had seen it before brought it in their claims anew, and many people began to think this story was not altogether moonshine. These initial sightings birthed the legend of the Bear Lake Monsters. There have been more sightings over the decades, but most afterward involved a single creature. Also, total reports diminished significantly after 1915. In fact, the most recent was likely in 2002 when Bear Lake Valley businessman reported a sighting. There are many other Bear Lakes in the nation, but strangely, only the Utah-Idaho version appear to boast monster legends. Uh, the Bear Lake. Uh, from... World Early News Report. Remains of mysterious creatures discovered at Bear Lake. Uh, Garden City UT, UT, the remains of largely unidentified creature, unidentified creature resembling a dinosaur were found this morning on the western shore of Bear Lake, giving rise to many rumors concerning the legendary monster associated with the site. The decomposed remains were found by a couple of locals who were walking on the lake shore. James and Christine, Christina Wilson noticed a foul smell while they were some hundreds of yards away and decided to investigate. Alien discovery, 25 foot lawn carcass. Uh, we walk here almost every day, but we never see anything like this, says Mr. Wilson. We could smell the stench from almost a mile away, and we knew that there was something wrong. When we finally found the corpse, we couldn't believe our eyes. It's really huge. It almost looks like a rotting dinosaur. It's not a kind of creature that I've ever found to have expected to find in Utah. A group of experts from the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources, directed by Director uh, by Dr. Brian Upton, was actually dispatched on a site to inspect the creature. He told reporters that the remains looked somewhat similar to the crocodile or a mosasaur, and a single group of large marine reptiles, but most test analysis are necessary are necessary, are necessary to determine the true nature of the creature. Since the obvious creature was some kind of large marine predator, but the exact nature of the animal has yet to be determined, Dr. Upton told reporters. It definitely looks like a lot like a crocodile, but a few distinct features which suggest that it could be another type of aquatic reptile. The creature's jaw seems very similar to various types of mosasaur and some aquatic reptiles, which used to live in many Americans. A discovery of this gigantic creature in Bear Lake could finally bring in an explanation to almost 150 years of alleged attacks and science in the region. The myth of the Bear Lake monster originally grew from articles written in the 19th century by Joseph C. Rich, a Mormon colonizer in the Con area, purporting to report second-hand accounts of science of the creature. 
1868 article in uh, Deseret uh, News, he announced that the Indians have a certain a strange serpent-like creature inhabiting waters of Bear Lake. Now since this water devil, as he is called it, has again made an appearance. Uh, bu, bu. A number of, of white settlers declare they have seen it with their own eyes. The Bear Lake monster, they now call it. It's causing a great deal of excitement up here. We're going on to relate several signs of the creature in recent times. Arco created a stir in Salt Lake City and within a month, a new staff member quizzed many Lake Bear Lake people and found hardly a person who doubted it. A 1907 letter published in the Logan, Utah newspaper claimed that two men had seen the Bear Lake behemoth attack their camp and kill one of their horses. A four-year-old also claimed to have seen it in 1937. A Boy Scout leader spoke of it, seeing it in 1946. In recent years, the monster was most, mostly considered to be a tourist attraction. And the last report sighting of the monster was in June 2002, when Bear Lake businessman owner Brian Ernst claims to have seen it. I will uh, post this freaking picture of this corp, this thing here. It's weird looking. Put it up on the... Oh, this one's horrible. Okay, here's the next one. The water base of Masker Lake. Masker Rocks. Outside of my hometown of uh, Pocatello, Potato, Idaho, is a tragic, frightening spot known as Masker Rocks. Long ago, it was a scene of incredibly awful, sad incident. And nowadays, it is home to the home of ghosts who haunt it because of the incident. When Native, American inhabitant, when Native Americans inhabit this area, there was a severe famine. It was so intense that the villagers got together and decked decided that there wasn't enough food to feed any new mouse. As babies were being born, their mothers were forced to take them down to nearby rivers to the nearby river and drown them. Oh my god, it's sad. Uh, rather than have them have a life of constant hunger and starvation. Nowadays, these so-called water babies still make their presence known. If you go to the banks of the river and sit for a while, sometimes you will. I'm saying that again. Uh, nowadays, there are so-called water babies. These so-called water babies still make their presence known. If you go to the banks of the river and sit for a while in silence, you will begin to hear the unmistakable sounds of babies crying. So it's supposed to be the spirits of those same babies looking for their mothers. Uh, Utah Lake covers 150 square miles in north-central Utah. It's also home of a few malevolent creatures who personally seems it ties human beings. Ute Indians tell stories of a mysterious race of dwarfs to the air lake. Refers to them as water babies because of their clever tracks, tactics, and learn people to their deaths. They would make sound very represent of big crying babies. Concerned people would take off into the lake in an effort to locate and rescue the dangerous babies within, only to be dragged down the depths of the nefarious water, by the nefarious water babies. If one man has escaped the clutches of these devilish dwarfs, they want to be in the clear. A huge preneural man-eating monster also calls Utah Lake home. The first sighting by European occurred just at the tail end of the Civil War when a resident reporter being chased ashore her by a 30-foot reptile. When she turned around, joined another huge beast and swam off. Shortly after, a different man claimed to see a huge reptile with the head of a dog trolling the waters of the lake in 1870. Some fishermen found a large, strange skull, tusks intruding from it in the water. Sightings occurred steadily throughout the throughout in the late 1800s, though 1920s when they died down. But carefully, Utah from beast, beastly babies, is quite threatening body of water. I mentioned the 
ghost, ghost, ghost horses. There's a story about the ghost horses. Ghost stallion. It's from uh, GSPeople.net. Uh, this is a tale. The old man tell around the tippy fire, tippy fire, when the stars are blown clean on a windy night. My coyotes are howling on the creek jump. And when sometimes over the wind comes clearly the sound of running horses. Their hairs move a little closer to one another and pile more wood on the fire. It's a story from a long time ago, says the old ones. What the man's name was, no one knows now, so they call him Traveler. Long ago, the Traveler was a wealthy chief, a warrior in his young days. He had taken many scalps, many horses, many another trophy of value, and he had increased his possessions by hard dealings with those less fortunate by gambling with younger men who were no match for his cunning. He was not loved by his fellow tribesmen, though they admired his bravery during times of hardship when other chiefs shared freely whatever they had. He had drove hard bargains and generally prospered from the ills of others. His wives he had abused till their parents took them away. His children hated him and he had no love for them. There was only one thing he cared for, his horses. They were fine horses, beautiful horses, for he had kept only the best. When a young warrior returned from a raid with a particularly good horse, Trevor never rested until, whether by fair means or not, he had it in his possession. At night, when a dance drum was brought out and the other Indians gathered around it, Trevor went alone to the place where his horses were picketed to gloat over his treasures. He loved them, but he loved only the ones that were young and handsome and healthy. A healthy and healthy, a horse that was old or sick or injured received only abuse. One morning, when he went to the little valley, which his horses were kept, he found in the herd an ugly white stallion. He was old, with crooked legs and a matted coat, thin and tired looking. Traveler flew into rage. He took his rawhide rope, caught the poor, ho- poor old horse. Then, with a club, he beat him unmercifully. When the animal fell to the ground, stunned, Trevor broke his legs with a club, left him to die. He returned to his lodge, feeling not the slightest remorse for his cruelty. Later, citing he might as well have the hide of the old horse, he returned to the place where he had left him, but to his surprise, the white stallion was gone. That night, as Trevor slept, he had a dream. The white stallion appeared to him and slowly turned into a beautiful horse, shining white with long mane and tail horse more lovely than any traveler had ever seen. Then Ch- Salim spoke. If you had treated me kindly, it said, I would have brought you more horses. You were cruel to me, so I shall take away the horses you have. When traveler awoke, he found his horses were gone. All that day he walked and searched, but when that nightfall, he fell asleep exhausted. He had found no trace of them in his dreams. The white stallion came again and said, Do you wish to find your horses? They are north by a lake. You will sleep twice before you come to it. As soon as he awakened in the morning, Traveler had hastened northward. Two days' journey, and when he came to the lake, there were no horses. That night, the Crocellian came again. Do you wish to find your horses? It said. There are east and some hills. They will be two sleeps before you came, you came to the place. Uh, when the sun had gone down on the third day, Traveler had searched the hills, but had found no horses. So, it went night after night, the stallion came to the traveler, dragged him to some distant spot, but never found his horses. He grew thin, he grew thin and footsore. 
Sometimes he got a horse from some friendly camp. Sometimes he stole one in the night. But always before morning would come a loud drumming of hosts. Gosselin and his band would gallop by and a horse of the traveler would break his picket and go with them. Never again did he have a horse. Never again did he see his own lodge. And he wanders, even to this day, the old men say, still searching for his lost horses. Sometimes they say on a windy autumn night when the stars shine very clearly and over on the creed jump, the coyotes howl of the winds. You may hear a rush of running horses and the stumbling footsteps of an old man. And if you're very unlu- very unlucky, you may see the salient in his band and the traveler still pursuing them, still trying to get back his beautiful horse. Uh, Legend and History of Spirit Lake, Idaho by um, Brianna. Legend has it that our lake was called Clearwater, a romantic story experienced by the Kootenai Indians who lived on the shores of the unique lake influenced them into changing the name to Tessman, or Lake of the Spirits. A highest-tier schoolman told good teachings on the or the Kootenai tribe had a lovely daughter, Hypam, who loved uh, Kootenai, brave. Hoste and Hom. tribes lived east of here, governed by ancient chief Pupu Muxmux. He threatened war on the Kootenays if he was not allowed to wed Hyampain. To avert war, Hyampain's father consented to the marriage. The Indians, the Indian Maeve and her brave, were dismayed and vowed their eternal love. Binding themselves together with the marriage chain of rushes, they leaped into the lake from Suicide Cliff as lovers were never found. Folklore tells us that on a moonlit night, when the wind is still, you may see their shadowy silhouettes as they drift across the lake in a phantom canoe. The lake's ice flows melt and grind together in the springtime. Weird, mournful, and haunting sounds are heard as ardent. These the cries of Indian lovers as they seek release from the lake. Platted in 1907 by engineers from Pennsylvania, Town was opened to real estate ministers in 1910. Both streets, business buildings, uh, utilities, and fur houses were completed. Rarely, travelers from Spokane were discharged in their in their uh, at their big brick depot located in the foot of the in the foot of the uh, of the Lake Hill ladies. And long dresses complete with Lego muttons, sails, and high necks adorned in numerous uh, pitcher hats, escorted by uh, man suits, high collar, high collars, and flat straw skimmers, went their way past the hills, park, and up Marine Street to the town. Uh, homes were built in the lake shore, and Spirit Lake became a resort town. High traveler. A high bridge was built over the channel that connects the lake and the area at the lake became the mill pond. Uh, dirt and rock fill has uh, replaced the bridge. The Tuskegee players, often Tuskegee players, have often formed on a plot of land near the west end of the bridge. Loggers took timber tools to the head of the lake near the foot of Mount Spokane, built log glooms and floated the logs down to the lake where they were towed by sorry uh lockers also to okay so uh whenever 
Some else thing. Uh, thank you for listening. By the way, and you can once you, you can join the Facebook group at Monster Podcast on Facebook. Listen to it on Radio Public, Google Podcast, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Podcast, and Overcast. And if you want any stories, I guess on the show, it's podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, kind of some guests on here. Oh no! Yeah, thank you. If you want to uh, go back onto all episodes, go. We can go into uh, listen to those. I mean, what you think of them. Listen to this one too. Share with your friends and everything. Uh, but thank you for listening. Let me know what you think. Hopefully, uh, get some people on here and they can tell their own stories. Where I'm at right now. And, oh, okay. I don't know. Thank you for listening. Tanner, and remember to be. Thank you for listening to this episode of Monster Legend Podcast. Or to find more information about Monster Legend Podcast, go to monsterlegendpodcast.com or anchor.fm forward slash monsterlegendpodcast. There you can find all episodes and platforms on which the podcast is on, which you can describe, subscribe to. You also can email me with questions. That will be answered on the show. Thank you.